This is episode 273 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are How to Get Rid of Mice Infestation Naturally and All About Arthritis. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Everyone, welcome to episode 273. Hope you had a great weekend. Hey, if you are listening and you are not subscribed, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast network, and that way you never miss another episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. Hey, I wanted to just send out a quick shout-out to Pyramid, Texas. You left a review, a five-star review, and uh, it says, I listen to the show on nights on patrol, on slow nights on patrol. It is by far my favorite podcast. Lots of great information, even for a veteran prepper. Hey, thanks, Paramed, Texas, and appreciate your review. And also, thank you for being a first responder. Really appreciate that. You're out there doing a, a great job uh, helping serve the community. So thank you so much for that. Let's go ahead and jump into our first article of the podcast. It comes to us from the homesteadinghippie.com. And this article is one, you know, when you when you start thinking about it, it's really an important article. We take for granted right now that we have all these items that we're able to uh, you know, get rid of, you know, mice and and all kinds of pests and and we can go to Home Depot or we can go to our hardware store or Lowe's or whatever. And we can, you know, grab anything that we need and we can go ahead and get rid of things uh, that, that are out there that are, you know, messing around in our garden that are, uh, you know, maybe even getting into our homes and, and leaving uh, uh, diseases and things that we definitely don't want behind. And so this is an important one. Maybe you don't have a, a mice infestation right now, but maybe you will have to deal with this later on in the future. So having this knowledge is important. So let's go ahead and dig right into this one. On the homestead, you will often have chickens, food storage, or a garden. That's what most of us do anyway, right? It makes the homestead the homestead. Unfortunately, chicken feed laying around, compost bins with leftover chicken scraps, garden produce growing, and food storage containers can also attract another common aspect on the homestead. Mice. A mice infestation is not the definition of fun, truly. Having just two mice can mean more, many more, in just a short time. Chemical baits are not always the best option, as they may poison the owls that would eat the mice. So some signs of mice infestation. Cereal boxes of bread bags chewed through. Kitchen towels are shredded, pulling threads to build a nest. Mouse droppings on the floor, in drawers, or near food storage and hearing scurrying in the walls. How many mice is considered an infestation? For most of us, it only takes one to become an infestation. Fortunately, there are natural ways to get rid of mice. Unfortunately, having cats isn't always the answer. My cats like to bring live mice into the house and release them. This must provide entertainment for them. Watching them scurry as I scream, but I digress. So I went to my readers and asked for their help. Here are the best ideas for getting rid of a mice infestation. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm imagining a cat bringing in a live mouse into the house. I can't, I mean, that cat would be gone so fast. Oh man, that, what the heck? 
All right. So, um, yeah, that's I just <laughs> picturing that is not a place that you want to be in. All right, so let's go ahead and start start reading these. It says, first and foremost, what you need to do when you discover you have a mice infestation. Keep all food covered and stored in hard plastic containers. They can easily chew through bread bags, Ziploc bags, and cereal boxes. Remove these items to hard storage containers or store in the refrigerator. Keep dishes and food crumbs cleaned up. Mice can be attracted to even small bits of leftovers. Remove inside pet food dishes at night and store that food in a hard plastic container. Nothing says free buffet like a dog or a cat dish full of food. Be sure to keep outside animals feed cleaned up and stored in plastic containers. We use 55 gallon size garbage pails with tight fitting lids for this. Close up any holes you can see under sinks or in walls if you can. Add some steel wool pads to the holes if possible since they are unable to chew through that to get back in your house from that space. This is especially important if you don't have a finished basement or a slab foundation. Any hole you can fit your thumb into is big enough for a mouse to climb through. So again, yeah, those little suckers can get through any, any small hole. How to get rid of mice infestation. Method number one, use snap traps with peanut butter or cheese loaded in there. Snap traps are the kind you set and are spring loaded. The mouse climbs into the trap, pulls at the food and the spring goes off, snapping a metal bar across their neck or body. The mouse is usually killed instantly by this. The trick to this is to have the food near the spring so the mouse can't get the food out and still escape. Yes, they have done that. Traps also need to be placed in direct line of where the mice scurry around the floor. Place them along the wall since they do not usually deviate from their path. And so I, let me just say uh, on that one, uh, a, a spring uh, type rat trap or mouse trap, um, they're only good for a certain amount of time. From what I understand, after a certain amount of time, it kind of loses the, its ability to snap fast enough to get the mouse. Um, but, you know, one of the ones I remember reading an article a long time ago in, in a way to be able to uh, maybe do some hunting is uh, Harbor Freight has really big traps. I mean, like humongous traps. And someone I remember reading an article a long time ago about uh, using one of those and maybe with a screw, putting it into a uh, in a tree and then you can you know, use it to hunt squirrels, right? Squirrels would come and, and it would snap the squirrel and you would uh, it would be an easy way to set a trap for a squirrel. So just uh, as I was reading that about the snap trap, that was something that kind of I remembered and came to mind. If you have a harbor freight around you, something you might want to go and invest in. Method number two, use a five-gallon bucket. Fill a five-gallon bucket half full of water. Take a paper sack and cut the top a little inch or two larger than the top. Lay it over the top opening, fold excess over the edge, and tape it down. Make sure it's pulled tight. Then take a razor knife and put a cross or X in the paper. Spread a little bit of peanut butter on the center. When they walk to the center or get the peanut butter, they fall into the bucket and drown. And so there's many variations of this one as well. Uh, I know there's plenty of those life hack videos where they, they create little mouse traps with... Uh, water bottles and different things like that but even the five gallon bucket uh, i've seen plenty of these videos uh in the past where they have a little platform where they they you know leave out for the the mice or the rat 
to uh, climb up on and then they have some kind of little wire or uh, way that they're able to go to the middle of the five gallon bucket which is usually like a tin can or something that spins it has peanut butter all over it but they get to that can and then they lose their balance and they fall and they drown into the water so uh, a lot of people have problems with them drowning but um, you know i guess you can store them all up in a five gallon bucket and then take them somewhere and release them and make them somebody else's problem but remember these uh these animals are you know carrying around diseases so that you got to keep that in mind all right number three or method number three are peppermint leaves or peppermint essential oil mice are repelled by the scent of peppermint so laying some peppermint leaves on their path or soaking a couple of cotton balls in peppermint essential oil and laying them on the path will help keep them at bay of course they may also encourage the mice to gain another path, so make sure you cover up their entry holes before you try this. Number four is use mothballs around the house. Fill the holes mice would climb in with mothballs to help repel them. Laying some around the outside doors may help as well. Method number five, chickens are excellent mousers. Chickens can sometimes be better mousers than cats are. If possible, let your chickens free range where you see mice outside and they will often catch them. Having a mice infestation is often part of the homesteading experience, but you can get rid of mice naturally. What are some other ways you've gotten rid of mice infestation without using chemical bait? Uh, the, uh, the comments were pretty interesting. Uh, you know, you had someone talk about the five gallon bucket thing. Another one said they catch, this is, this is crazy too, they catch snakes and release them in the holes then they and so these snakes travel through the walls and they find the mice they eat the mice and then after all the the mice are gone then they go ahead and uh, they leave the house looking for more prey so uh, that's that's kind of a crazy uh, solution but I guess if you don't have any other ones that might be something that you want to try um, you know if I had to deal with mice or snakes I mean I don't know I'm just I've never been a snake person but, you know, dealing with this mice thing is an important issue. I've always remember reading about the bubonic, uh, the Black Plague, right, and, and how bad that went through and ravished Europe. And I also remember that a lot of people believe that it was a curse from the Jews because the plague was devastating so many other uh, neighborhoods and, and, and countries and, and areas. But for some reason... The places where the Jews were, they they didn't seem to be ravaged by it. Now, someone said that one reason being is that the, because Jews had more cats and the cats would kill the mice before they were able to get into the food storage and all those kinds of things. So anyway, you have these mice and going all over their food storage and, and they're, uh, they're using the restroom in there and, and all this kind of nasty stuff. And then people are eating and they're getting sick and just whatever, but... Um, that was one of the reasons that I always remembered about the, the Jews having uh, cats and that, you know, that kept the mice at bay. So definitely that might be something that you want. You know, you don't have to be on a homestead to have a mice infestation. My uh, mother-in-law lived uh, across an old rice granary, right? And so uh, they, they had a lot of mice over there and they pretty much stayed there. But at one point... Uh, they shut it down and they they tore it down because they had sold the property and these mice all went and rats and stuff all went into the neighborhood and so people had to deal with it. There's a lot of other ways. I know that one of the facilities that uh, that's owned by uh, my school district they have these little boxes in 
uh, around the area. And so this is a this was a facility built like on an old uh, field, and so you know mice are still out there. And uh, when you when you go look at it, it just looks like a little box, you know, somewhere you know on the on the perimeter. But when you get closer to it, you realize that it's a mouse box. And so basically, they get in there looking for the food, and then they can't get back out, and they wind up dying in there. And so you know they they deal with it that way. It's kind of like the five gallon bucket idea, but this is just uh, in a way that you know, it doesn't gross people out. So you have those, but you know that's something that you got to think about. If you are in a survival situation, you definitely don't want your mice to go through your food and and to uh, you know cause you know spread disease and all that kind of stuff. So something that you need to be thinking about um, out there, and maybe that's one reason why you want to have uh, you know a, a barnyard type cat. You know you want to have some cats. That hopefully they don't do what they did here and bring the live mice in the house, but they actually go after the mice and, and kill them. So again, that's over at thehomesteadinghippie.com. Go check that one out and uh, go check out the comments. Hey, I want to share with you really quickly a comment that was left on episode 271 by Nathan. And I think this is a, uh, you know, episode 271 was, uh, we talked about uh, hard time building community and situational awareness and noise. And uh, I believe I talked a little bit about social media and situational awareness there and, and OPSEC if I remember correctly. But Nathan came and left a comment that I thought was valuable that I want to share with you really quickly. Todd, I used to work in the computer industry and I get everyone's concern about revealing who they are via websites, social media, and other various forms of technology. However, I do not think people realize a few things. First, if they have ever bought anything online, applied for a loan, or done anything in the last 20 years with money, their information is out there. If you use any form of social media, their information is out there. People hiding behind different names is fine, but the reality is your name doesn't mean as much as you think because you can find be found with a simple backtrace through the system. The government showing up at your house in short time is a reality if they want to. I do not mention these things to scare people, but I mention them because it is almost impossible to be disconnected in today's world and it will get harder. So people start asking, how do you protect yourself? Well, that is a good question, and there are some steps you can take with others have, that others have pointed out, but it is far from perfect regardless of how hard you try. Here's another thought. See the reality of the world we live in. Unless you are going to go completely off-grid, realize you are part of that world. Technology, like all tools, can be used for good or bad. It is really hard to truly hide. Almost impossible. So, are you ready for it? Stop trying to hide. Now, I know the prepper community will go crazy because of that statement, but think about it. One of the principles of the gray man is to blend in. Do you really think you can blend in when the rest of the world is in the 21st century and you're, you're in the 17th century? I'm not saying to dispel with all OPSEC, but people are truly missing out on the world around them and the world to come because they are simply trying to hide minor details about their life. They are not enjoying the advancements God has given them or given us. Remember, technology is like any tool and we should use the tool. Great things can be accomplished with technology, like a podcast that helps me learn how to prepare for future possibilities. I could go on and on, I guess, but I just do not believe technology is something to fear. It is something that can and should be embraced. Again, I am not saying people should give up all their details, but here is a reality check. 
I read an article once that talked about how a basic questionnaire that some social media site uses combined with your browsing habits, which are not anonymous regardless of what anyone tells you, can teach a company hundreds of things about who you are and what you are like. It is that simple. Stay prepped, stay aware, but don't hesitate to use the tools we have around us. I apologize for the long comment, but I struggle with getting what I really want to say out in writing. Hope this all makes sense. Just my two cents and a few bits more. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Nathan, for your insight there. And it's one thing that I've, I've said as well. One thing that I have uh, always, you know, when I started to prep a website, I just realized that there was no way that I could stay anonymous out there. I like the idea of being the gray man on social media as well. And part of that is blending in. So, for instance, here in Houston, Texas, everyone is talking about the rodeo, right? And so if you were you know, concerned, you would be talking about the rodeo and uh, you would be doing those kinds of things. So having, you know, putting a, a lot of information out there and almost kind of just throwing random stuff out there, um, having so much that people would filter through is, is I guess, one of those ways that you would uh, you would be the gray man out there. And so I don't really, I don't, I get on Facebook for the, the Prepper website, Facebook group, and uh, even the page, a lot of the times the page, I'm really sending things through Instagram for, to the Facebook page. But uh, uh, from my personal Facebook, it mostly is just sending like my devotional that I do and stuff like that, putting that out there. And so, uh, you know, that's something to think about, you know, make sure that, uh, Make sure that you are being smart out there, like Nathan was saying. Don't don't give away details. Don't talk about things that you know you don't feel comfortable talking about. Just like you you would uh, if you met someone and you talking started talking about preparedness. You're not going to throw everything out there on the line for them. But uh, there is a lot of benefit out there. A lot of learning uh, that you can do on the website, social media. There's a lot of information that people share. We've been having a great time over on the Facebook group just uh, because people have been asking about uh, property and people have been giving their insights about, you know, what it's like, you know, uh, to, to look for new rural property. And so uh, you can always go over there if you're not a member of the Facebook group. Uh, welcome you to, to come over and uh, join us over there. All right. So, again, thanks, Nathan, for your comment there. Our next article comes to us from doomandbloom.net. Two of my favorite people in the preparedness community, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Joe and Amy Alton, and uh, they do a great job of uh, great job of providing medical information to the preparedness community. I mean, they're they're not people that are just going out there and uh, have an idea uh, of of what they should say. I mean, they're actually medical professionals, and they believe in helping you to be prepared if there's ever a situation where um, you can't get to the doctor. The doctor is not available. The hospital is, is not open. Uh, we are in a situation where you're all on your own. Um, and so this one here is about arthritis and something to really consider here. Now, uh, you know, part of this kind of speaks to me. I'm getting older and uh, we're going to talk about part. You know, one aspect of arthritis is gout. Yeah, man, maybe I'll talk a little bit when I get there, uh, when we get there, I'll talk a little bit about it. But man, it's, you know, this is something as we are getting older and I know the demographic, I mean, there's a lot of young, young preppers out there and, but I know that there's some older preppers out there that are dealing with this. 
And so when we talk about, you know, the, the poop hit the fan, we talk about collapse, we talk about, you know, bugging out, we talk about all that kind of stuff. You know, we also are taking into our into consideration our health. You know, can you can you easily move around? Do you have that mobility available to you to be able to do that? Can you hold a knife? Can you start a fire? Can you, you know, all the can you get down just up off of the ground? Like if you you're getting on the ground to start a fire and then getting back up. I mean, you know, all those different kinds of things. And so our health is very very important. There's a lot of things that we can do now to help our health to be in better situation. You should be doing that already no matter what but uh you know having this information i think is important so i want to read this one again uh coming to us from doomandbloom.net all about arthritis the human body is a marvel of engineering its dexterity strength and stamina allow amazing feats of athleticism and yes survival in the worst adversity but wear and tear takes its toll over time on just about everything with moving parts even you. The resulting loss of work efficiency and mobility, bad enough in normal times, can decrease your chances to succeed after a major disaster. The moving parts in our skeletal frame are known as joints. Each one has varying amounts of range of motion and strength. They are remarkably durable but break down with time and strain. The longer lives of modern humans has thus caused a high prevalence of joint disease called arthritis. It's thought that 54 million Americans today suffer from some form of arthritis and that the number will rise to 78 million by the year 2040. Although you might consider arthritis a disease of the elderly, two-thirds of the cases occur in pre-retirement age individuals. Risk factors for arthritis include age. Many types of arthritis are more common as people get older. Sex. Women are more likely to get certain types such as rheumatoid arthritis, while men are more prone to a form of arthritis known as gout. Family history. Some types of arthritis seem to run in families. Injuries. Increased strain can injure injure joints, which can eventually lead to arthritis. This is seen in athletes, but can occur from manual labor, after surgery, or an accident. And obesity. Those who lead sedentary lifestyles and are obese suffer long-standing strain on the joints in the hips, knees, and back, which can lead to arthritis. So some symptoms of arthritis. Symptoms of arthritis may include pain, swelling, joint stiffness, and decreased range of motion, reluctance to use the affected joint due to discomfort, accumulation of fluid or other material like uric acid and gout in the joint space, muscle weakness with chronic arthritis, and fever that's caused by infection. So the different types of arthritis, I got to tell you, I love the, the, <laughs> the pictures. I don't know where Dr. Bones and they're saying we get all their pictures. They, they have some great pictures on here. Um, the first arthritis is osteoarthritis. Osteoarthritis is the most common form of arthritis, especially in older individuals. It can affect just about any joint in the body, hands, feet, back, hip, and knees are most commonly affected, but osteoarthritis can occur even in the spinal column. Osteoarthritis is acquired by daily wear and tear on the joints, although it can also be a long-term effect of a previous injury which accelerates degeneration. Obesity can increase stress on joints and lead to osteoarthritis as well. 
Warm compresses are useful to treat discomfort and stiffness. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs like ibuprofen or aspirin are helpful as is capsaicin cream or ointment. The worst cases may require oral or injectable steroids. Sometimes a needle is placed to drain excess fluid from an affected joint to give relief. This is called arthrocentesis. This procedure may decrease pain but could introduce infection into the joint if not performed with care. Rheumatoid arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis, RA, is the most common autoimmune disease in the world today. In RA, the body's immune system attacks its own tissue. The attack is not only directed at the joint, but to other parts of the body. Unlike some other joint diseases, rheumatoid arthritis tends to affect the same joint on both sides of the body. Women seem to be more susceptible than men. Rheumatoid arthritis especially affects joints in the fingers and wrists, but is also common in knees and elbows. Over time, it can lead to severe deformities if not treated. Rheumatoid arthritis occurs in young, younger populations than osteoarthritis, even striking children on occasion. Other symptoms associated with rheumatoid arthritis that you might not see with degenerative osteoarthritis are dry mouth, dryness, itching or burning in the eyes, insomnia, strange sensation in the hands or feet, nodules under the skin, and chest pain when taking a breath. At present, there is no cure for rheumatoid arthritis. Treatments concentrate on easing the symptoms. Medical therapy includes strong anti-inflammatory medications such as oral steroids like prednisone. Another autoimmune disorder that can cause disease or joint disease is known as systemic lupus erythematosus or SLE. Although usually diagnosed by blood testing, lupus can be differentiated from rheumatoid arthritis due to its one-sided nature. You will also see patients with SLE experience hair loss and body rashes. Lupus is often treated with long-term oral steroids. Even though rheumatoid arthritis cannot be cured, it is thought to be possible to prevent the condition from worsening. Weight loss is one way to improve symptoms and prevent progression. Physical therapy to strengthen muscles and joints is also thought to be helpful. Bacterial arthritis. Bacterial arthritis, sometimes called septic arthritis, is often the result of some penetrating injury that allows organisms to invade the joint space. It can also occur from within as when a blood infection or septicemia or bone infection, osteomyelitis, has spread to a joint. Common skin bacteria such as streptococcus and staphylococcus are the usual suspects. Certain sexually transmitted diseases like gonorrhea can also be the cause, although viruses and even fungi may be involved. Typical symptoms of a bacterial arthritis are the same as osteoarthritis except that the patient may have a fever and may exhibit redness or warmth over the affected joint. In addition to treatment for pain, arthiosynthesis, removal of fluid with a, fluid with a needle, and intravenous antibiotics in the Keflex family or others may be helpful if the cause is bacterial. Psoriatic arthritis. Psoriasis is a relatively common skin condition that causes the formation of multiple red scaly patches. This leads to itching and may be considered by some unsightly, but 30% of sufferers also develop inflammation of the joints known as psoriatic arthritis. 
Psoriatic arthritis victims may be differentiated from degenerative arthritis by nail changes that look like fungal infections, redness in the eyes, excessive fatigue, and swollen fingers and toes, the areas most commonly affected. The condition is most commonly treated with NSAIDs like ibuprofen for pain, steroids, and anti-psoriasis pharmaceuticals. Early treatment may lead to less severe damage to joints. Gout. Gout is another condition that destroys joint over time. Inflammation is caused by deposition of uric acid crystals in the joint. Some people simply produce too much uric acid or don't eliminate it well. Obesity is a major risk factor, as is diabetes. This illness occurs primarily in men. A history of certain types of kidney stones may be associated with episodes of gout. The presentation of gout will appear as inflammation in one or two joints. The big toe is a classic example, but knees and ankles may also be affected. Warm, red, painful joints. The pain is throbbing and often severe. Even laying a sheet over it may cause pain. Fever and episodic repeat attacks, 50% of the cases. After multiple episodes, permanent damage occurs and the joint loses its range of motion. Chronic sufferers may also develop lumps composed of uric acid crystals called tophi. Tophi are lumps below the skin, mostly around joints like the big toe. They may drain chalky material from time to time. Specialized prescription drugs are available for gout, such as cochicinine and alpurinol. If you have a family member with gout, encourage them to stockpile extra medications. They won't be found in your standard medic storage. Life Style and dietary changes may be helpful in improving the quality of life of individuals with gouty arthritis. Consider avoiding alcohol, reducing how many uric acid elevating foods you eat. These include liver, red meat, herring, sardines, anchovies, kidney, kidney beans, not kidney beans, but just kidney, then beans, peas, mushrooms, asparagus, and cauliflower. Avoiding, avoiding fatty foods and eat enough carbohydrates. All right, so let me just wanted to quickly talk about this because my dad has gout and he has the typical gout that you know pops up in your toe so bad that he has a pair of, of, of tennis shoes where he's cut out uh, the toe. And so he hasn't had to wear them in a very, very long time. It's been a long time since he's had an episode. But when he has had it, I mean, you could just tell that he was in pain. Of course, it was really red. It was, you know, you had the, the toe fi uh, uh, you know, look to it, you know, cause it looked like there was uh, uric acid was building up and, um, you know, you could just see again, like, he, like I said, he was in a lot of pain. And so when he would, when we would go over to visit and he had his foot up, I mean, he would flinch anytime anyone got around his foot. And of course I would joke around with him and play around with him that tell him that I was going to grab his foot, you know, and get my hand kind of close to it. And that would just drive him nuts. But, uh, so I guess it comes full circle. So last year, uh, I had actually it was it's this year, um, 2017. I'm thinking in school years, but uh, at the beginning of the school year, I had a bout, and we had a big long staff development week that we were on our feet. And uh, but the first day, I was dead. I was dying. I was limping really bad. People are like, "What is the matter with you?" I'm like, "I don't know. Um, I have no idea." But by the end of the day, my foot was throbbing so bad that I went to the uh, to an emergency you know care clinic right and I'm like look I don't know what is I couldn't even when I would sit down I couldn't even 
it was it just took me a long time to stand up people were looking at me like what's the matter with you and uh, I just I know I looked like I, I was crazy but uh, I was just in a lot of pain it sucked so bad and so the doctor looked at it and you know like it's not broken I can wiggle it around but it's throbbing uh, you know and it hurts and uh, she could even touch it and so it's like it doesn't look like gout because the gout was, uh, you know, it didn't it didn't present itself exactly like my dad's gout. It was more like reddish and inflamed, uh, and more like on uh, in my ankle area. It would kind of move around a little bit, but it would be on on the top. So she gave me a steroid, and I took it, and I was good for a couple of days, and then it came back with a vengeance. And I'm like, oh, my, you know, I, I just I, I needed to go and get it checked out by uh, a real doctor, I guess, because you know, this the one doctor said, look, if if it uh, if it doesn't go away or if it comes back, you need to go, you know, to, uh, to a podiatrist. And so uh, I did, and it turned out that it was, it was gout. I mean, they did the x-rays, they did everything. They did the blood work and it turned out that it was gout. It was just a, a form. Uh, it didn't present itself like my dad's would. And so he gave me uh, so steroid. He gave, he gave me this, uh, and I know I said it wrong, the cosinine. Uh, I think that's maybe the way you say it there. Um, and, you know, he just like, just take it as you need it. Don't take it on a regular basis. You know, this is kind of like a first time around thing. And I haven't had it again. I've been very careful about eating the foods that, you know, that would cause it, that would set it off, you know, the red meat um, and, and those types of things. So I've um, been very careful about that. Uh, but, you know, it, it, uh, it, it sucked. And so I can imagine if I was in a situation where, my family was depending on me for whatever it was, whether it's out there and you're gardening, whether you're out there and you're, you're, you're patrolling or you're, you're defending, whatever it might be, and you're down like this, man, it, it, it would be very, very painful. So if you do suffer from this uh, or you do have family members, you know, like, like Dr. Bones um, suggested here, have them try to stockpile some, some more medicine. Doctors seem to be, my, at least the doctor that I went to, seemed to be very understanding. He was like, hey, uh, you have extra refills here. And so uh, when it gets to a time where it looks like, uh, like I should be refilling because I don't take it. I only, I only took the medicine as I needed it. I'm definitely going to refill it, though, because you know, I want to make sure that I have that medication uh, on hand if I need it or if someone else that I know needs it, right? It's a, it makes a big difference. All right, so some natural options for arthritis. From an alternative standpoint, there are various treatments for joint pain caused by arthritis. Glucosamine supplements are popular. It should be noted that glucosamine sulfate preparations have more evidence for their effectiveness than glucosamine hydrochloride. Take 1,500 milligrams once a day on a regular basis. Glucosamine, when paired with chondroitin sulfate, 800 to 1200 milligrams a day has been shown to possibly slow progression of some arthritic conditions. Two teaspoons of lemon juice or apple cider vinegar mixed with a teaspoon of honey twice a day is a time-honored treatment. Other oral supplements reported to be effective against joint pains are turmeric powder, soybean oil, avocado oil, rose hips, fish oil, no more than three grams per day, selenium, bathua leaf juice, alfalfa tea. For external use, warm and cold compresses are useful. Warmth increases blood flow to the joint, while cold decreases inflammation and swelling. Other options include capsaicin ointment or cream. Use arnica essential oil on effective areas. It's good for muscle aches as well. 
Apply warm vinegar to aching joints. Mix powdered sandalwood into a paste. It has a cooling effect when rubbed on a joint. A number of other modalities may alleviate the pain of arthritis and improve range of motion. Acupuncture, massage therapy, and physical therapy may alleviate muscle spasms. Electricity delivered by a device known as a TENS unit may be helpful. Others suggested, suggest magnets applied to injured joints. These are just a few of the many alternative remedies available. Do your own research and make your own conclusions. All right. Thank you, Dr. Bones, there for this article. Hey, guys, and I know that, uh, man, if you are suffering from arthritis or you have in the past and there is a remedy that you use, please share that in episode in the comment section of episode 273 because I'd love to be able to share that with other people because, you know, I, I do believe that this is going to be uh, a situation. We, uh, we A lot of the times, you know, in the preparedness community, when we're talking about, you know, the poop really hitting the fan, we're thinking about our lives the way we are right now and everything just continuing perfect. And that's not the way it's going to be. There's a lot of considerations there. And uh, so this is one of those things. I do highly recommend, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast uh, for any amount of time, I do highly recommend their book, The Survival Medicine Handbook. I believe every prepper that is the or prepper, survivalist, homesteader, self-reliant, whatever you want to call yourself, I believe every one of us needs to have that book. That should be the very first prepper book that you buy, the very first prepper book that you have in your library there. And so I do recommend that you you have that there. It looks like a third edition wins the 2017 Book Excellent Award in Medicine. And so I uh, love to see that because they definitely they definitely do deserve it. Uh, I know Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, and they are great people, and they really, truly want to help other people be prepared. And so uh, definitely do, do not mind promoting their products and uh, having other people support them. All right, guys. So like always, again, that's doomandbloom.net, and I will link to it in the show notes and you can go directly over there get a little bit more information uh there's links there's a lot of pictures and uh, definitely they have a store as well uh, a medical store where you can go and you can buy all kinds of stuff and classes and go to their classes and all kinds of good stuff so go check that out over at doomandbloom.net well guys that's it for episode 273 i hope you uh enjoyed it as much as i enjoy spending spending the time doing this and being with you Hey, again, thanks for your comments. They're very encouraging and, and helps to uh, you know, kind of keep going uh, out there and continue doing it. So uh, thank you so much for that. Hey, guys, if you haven't joined the Facebook group, kind of come on over to join the Facebook group. And I uh, also want to just one last announcement. This week uh, or every Thursday, I do uh, a live, a Facebook live. And uh, I do that at 8 o'clock Central Standard Time on the Prepper website Facebook page. Um, last week I talked a little bit about food storage. So even if you miss it, the recorded version is going to be there. Um, so I talked a little bit about easy food storage, but one of the things that I, that I'm going to do this next week is I want to talk about, uh, food storage with five gallon buckets and mylar bags and oxygen absorbers. So I'd love for you to join me there as well. Try to remind you through the podcast and maybe even the email list to, uh, to do that. You know, speaking of the email list, I, I did announce last week that I did change up and bring back the free 
building a more self-reliant e-course. And so this is an email uh, e-course that you get. So when you sign up for the Prepper website email list, and you can do it through uh, Edit Matters, uh, the Prepper website podcast uh, dot com or PrepperWebsite.com, they all go to one big email list. And uh, when you do that, you automatically get enrolled for this uh, email e-course list. And uh, I think it's great. Uh, a lot of good information there. So if you haven't, love for you to come and be a part of that and uh, start receiving those emails. And uh, again, like always, you can just go to any of the websites and uh, the pop-up will, will, you know, it'll come up and you can just sign up for the email list from there. All right, guys, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.